You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice our love. All right, everyone, we're back with the next episode of the Ice Cold Takes podcast. We're joined this week by Rachel Knowns from the HockeyWriters.com, and she covers the New York Rangers. She graduated from the University of Pittsburgh, roots for the Rangers, but still follows the Penguins, question mark? <laughs> we'll, find more, we'll find out more about that, like, right now. But thanks for joining us, Rachel. How are you? Thank you for having me. Good. How are you guys? Doing great. Yeah, we're doing good. Uh, so I wanted to start by just asking you that question. Like, how do you support both the Penguins and the Rangers? I, I, I can't fathom that, honestly. Sure. <laughs> so I came to Pittsburgh when the Pens were winning their cup. So obviously it was a really fun time to be here for that. Um, but I grew up rooting for the Rangers. Obviously, my first hockey game was a Ranger game. Um, But I didn't really get into it until I moved to Pittsburgh. So in a way, I kind of have to credit the Pens for that. Um, But it felt too weird to kind of like hop on the Pens bandwagon when they were winning the cup. And I kind of was just there by association. So, um, you know, I just went back to the Rangers, not back, but um, I decided just to stay loyal with them. So that's kind of how. (laughs) So the Penguins basically like kicked the tires on you getting into hockey and then you just jumped over to the Rangers. Gotcha. (laughs) yeah it's kind of a weird story how it happened but it was just such a fun environment that it kind of just like really drew me in and that's pretty much how it happened I mean that's respectable (laughs) at least you didn't hop on the bandwagon um but yeah uh Pens and the Rangers have both had kind of different seasons I think the Pens kind of came into the season not thinking they would be where they are right now uh especially after last season and and they're kind of three big guys um, getting older and older as the years go on. But um, yeah, what do you think of the Penn season so far? Yeah, so they've definitely been interesting. I definitely didn't think that they would be where they are. Um, It's pretty crazy thinking that they took such a gamble, um, you know, parting ways with Murray and then kind of shifting the focus onto Jari and to Smith and not really you kind of had an idea how Jari would pan out, but really that was putting a lot of faith in him. And I think that he's been wonderful for the team, which is really nice to see, but definitely, you know, they're an older group and it's just so interesting how they're not one of the teams that when you're talking about a really deep prospect pool, they're not really one of the teams that kind of comes up in that conversation, but they seem to have these guys or they make these subtle moves and they just come to the Penguins and they really help them out. I mean, this season, Jeff Carter, he comes over. You didn't really see that trade coming, but he's already helped out. So they just get really, I don't want to say they get lucky. Obviously there's a lot that goes into these moves, but they're a really fun story to keep up with. One thing I noticed about the Penguins on paper, that defense is suspect. And now, now that you mentioned about the, the, uh, 
Murray leaving, going to the Senators, and having the Smith and, and Jari in, in goal, they're not the greatest goalies in the world by any means, but for some reason, they're doing well enough to be in the position that they're in. They've had so many injuries on the back end, on the blue line. Uh, they've had guys that have never played before come in. Uh, and, you know, they've definitely taken big strides this year, I'd say. And even considering they lost uh, Jacques Martin, who went to the Rangers, and thank God for him because he completely turned the Rangers' defense around this year. But I guess, you know, I have to give credit to the Penguins. Give credit where it's due, and, you know, they played well this season. Defensively, offensively, they're stepping up. Malkin was out for uh, a long time, and some of their, some of their guys are uh, stepping up for them, and the Jeff Carter acquisition is definitely helpful. Uh, but anyways, I wanted to jump into the Rangers' losses to the Islanders uh, the pat- this past week. Uh, on our last episode of the podcast, we had closed by saying we'd hoped the Rangers, obviously, would come away with two victories. But instead, they did the complete opposite, as they always do. And they got two shutout losses to Semyon Varlamov and the blue line trap, Barry Trotz's system. They couldn't seem to get anything going. Um, so why don't you give us your thoughts on, on those two losses? Yeah. So those were brutal losses. I don't know if they were even worse because everybody's hopes were really high or just because it's the Islanders, the timing of everything. It's just, they were just not good games. I think, um, there was a lot to learn from it, obviously, especially in the situation where you did have, you know, they were doing pretty well. And then you have like these losses kind of seemingly out of nowhere, but you look like last season, it's kind of similar. They had a brutal start and then they finished pretty well, not talking about the postseason, but um, I just think in the position where you're offensively gifted and then you have these stretches where you're, you look like a really defensively sound team um, before these injuries exposed us. And then you go up like this phenomenally defensive team. It really just emphasizes where your weaknesses are. And I think just the timing of things that's kind of, you know, brutal when you're going into the next season, you're obviously not going to make the playoffs. And this is kind of like the taste that's left in your mouth with things. But, um, like I said, there's a lot of lessons to be learned. Um, but obviously when you have holes and injuries and, you kind of are left with the pairings that we had. I think that shows that our depth might be a little bit questionable with defense, not so much where we have like in the pool, but I think what we've seen and what we have up right now, you kind of need to have like those pairings maybe thought out better that it was just tough to watch, but I think too, they weren't opportunistic enough. Um, I don't think that's like one of their strong areas yet. And then when you play a team where they don't give you a lot of chances, you definitely need to exploit that. So they, I think there was an interview with Ryan Strom. He said, you know, there were maybe like three or four chances um, or slip-ups that the Islanders had that they just didn't really take advantage of. And I think that's just something, but I don't, They, I think they need to just kind of, kind of focus on these games and these losses. You can count on Beauvillier scoring, maybe, you know, keep an extra eye on him each game, uh, Pajot even. Just, I think you just really need to analyze it game by game, especially with the Islanders. Even freaking Leo Komarov, I mean, come on. <laughs> but no, I, I think you're right. I was looking at the defensive pairings before the game and 
three of our, our six defensemen were rookies and two of them played less than six games. Um, so there was definitely some inexperience on the blue line and, and it showed. But like you said, I think especially against a tight checking team, any, against any team in the NHL, it's not really like how well you play. It's how well you exploit the other team's weaknesses, really. And you got to take advantage of those slip ups that they make. And you have to force them to make mistakes as well, obviously. But I think the Rangers were not on their toes at all, either of the two games. And, and there was a lot on the line, to be honest with you. That first game was the biggest game of the season. And they came out flat-footed and didn't really have too much to, to, to make the Islanders play for, really. Um, and they kind of just, like, rolled right over us. And we gave no fight, to be honest with you. I didn't see much fight at back from us. Um, which is kind of disheartening, especially after such like a long season where you put in so much work, you're right on that cusp. And then like, right when you're there, it's just kind of just like all downhill. Yeah. Like we're crumbling under the pressure. I, I agree with you, Kyriakos, on what you're saying about that first game, but I want to hear what you guys think on the second game where it's like, you know, David Quinn said after the, after the game on Saturday, the second loss to the Islanders that he thought it was better than Thursday he thought the Rangers were more competitive. Now, I didn't see much of the game. I listened to it on the radio. I was working. Uh, and then I, went, I watched the highlights. And to me, it seemed like the one guy that was getting consistent chances was Buchnevich. If anyone was going to score a crack of our mob, it was going to be him. I think he had like a, a rush with Panarin. He had a shot on the blocker side. Varlamov stopped it. There was one where he missed on the power play. And then there was another one that uh, he, he made like a nice move into the into the slot and he got a shot on. But again, Varlamov stopped it. Uh, do you guys like think the Rangers played better, but were still not the better team? Like, do you think the Islanders were just the better team and that there was nothing the Rangers could have done? Um, I think the Islanders were struggling in this stretch too, which kind of makes the losses harder because you're against a you're playing against a struggling team and you just saw them two days before and it was another shutout I think I don't know how many excuses you can really make and like you said the players had opportunities Booch had several opportunities himself and that's just one player and he's had a great season so it's it's kind of frustrating because he is having these opportunities just saw this team just saw this goaltender and you know, he, they saw them six times prior, however many times they saw them prior too. So it's, I don't really know what it was. I don't know. I don't know what, if there's a problem with them carrying over things that they take away from each game, but it just, it points out how many weak spots they have before they can really be a contender. So I don't really know what to make of that loss again, but uh, it wasn't easy to watch. <laughs> No, yeah, definitely not easy to watch. Watching that, the Islander style of play is definitely frustrating. It's so boring. It's just like they suffocate you. There's no room to move, and it's like you know what to expect. Yeah, exactly. That's that's why that's why I'm saying like you know I I just think the Islanders were simply the better team, and pretty much the, it has nothing to do with that Rangers effort. If that's how they felt after the second game, that they felt they played better than their first game, like they actually came out stronger, then it has nothing to do with. The, their effort they just couldn't they couldn't crack that 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 trap it's a hard system to play against uh I wanted to move on to the next topic which is you know what are your thoughts on the season as a whole aside from these two losses which are so 
back-breaking, bone-crushing, you know, nail in the coffin on the season. But, you know, we've dealt with so much adversity, uh, whether it's through COVID, the D'Angelo situation in the beginning, injuries and stuff. So if there's like a great – is there one player in your mind that has stood out? Obviously, Adam Fox, but like other than him, who has stuck out to you the most? I would – Forgetting his past uh, two games, I would say Booch has really stood out. He's had a really good season this year. Um, Lafreniere, he's been improving and building upon each game, which you always want to see. Um, Kako's done really well this season. He's definitely more comfortable and he's definitely making strides. I don't think we can expect him next season to be like this you know, phenomenal all-star, but I think he could get very close to there in a few seasons. I think it's just, it's a matter of time. This team has to grow together. So um, I would say those group of players, it's kind of hard. I think there's so much to look forward to and so many players have developed well this year and kind of like, you know, really uh, worked on their own skill set. But I would say those group of guys, they've been really impressive. Would you say like Buchnevich has been a surprise to you this season? Like, has he taken such a massive step forward that you weren't expecting? I don't know if it's really been a surprise. I think he kind of knew this was kind of like a contract season. I mean, you see it with Brendan uh, Smith. He's playing pretty well. (laughs) But I don't know if it's kind of that, but Quinn did say that he had a really good um, training camp. So that kind of, I think, caught a lot of people's attention and um and things like that I mean he's been a pleasant surprise but it's not really been something that blew anyone away I don't think but um I'll take it I personally was blown away by Bush to be honest with you I mean I I I like him as a player um he's he's been great the past couple years but he like you watch him play back in the KHL and back in Russia and he was like one of the best players by far and his skill level was just you could you could tell it was just like worlds above everyone else and when he came to the NHL it was a lot more physical game for him he kind of had a tough time transitioning a little bit um but I think this year he kind of proved that he can he can keep it up with the big boys and he's been a a extremely pleasant surprise for me because he's always been kind of like a little bit inconsistent like he'll have some games he'll score um, but then he'll kind of go um, incognito mode for a couple couple weeks. Um, but honestly, the biggest part about him, I think, is his defensive game. Um, he's been amazing in the defensive zone. And from a player like him, I wasn't expecting that. But he's on the PK with Zibanejad. He's done. He's probably our, our one of our best penalty killers, which is crazy to think about, and one of our leading point scorers. So I think that he's been a huge part of our success this year, and that's something I, I wouldn't have thought of. If, if you told me in the beginning of the season, to be honest. Yeah, I think, I think he's, he's done such an amazing job this year. Defensively has been the biggest surprise for me. I was not expecting that at all. That was like, if you gave me a list of players and told me to pick who would be on the penalty kill at the beginning of the season, you know, Buchnevich would be one of the last players that I would pick to be on the penalty kill. Cause you know, he's not that, he's not that kind of player, but they, molded him to be a good penalty killer and they made it work and he did such an awesome job and now heading into you know you know the resign stage whenever that is after the draft uh I think the Rangers need to lock him up I think they need to extend him keep him around long term uh this is not a guy that you want to give up on 
so easily. He's young, right? Like 25, 26 years old. I think, I think he's deserved it. He's definitely picked up his offensive game the past couple of years. And then this year we've seen what he's done defensively. He's done a great job. So I think we should keep him around. Uh, is there any, are there any disappointments uh, on the Rangers this season that you guys would say? Um, I wouldn't really say a disappointment. I know Kreider gets a lot of pushback for being such a streaky player. So, you know, after that extension, it would have been nice to kind of see him be more consistent. But every time somebody brings up the conversation, you always have people counter the argument. Well, that applies for a lot of other players that they're streaky players. They're not as consistent. You know, that applies to half the league. And I do agree with that. Um, but I think the position that he's in where he's in that leadership role and he did just get that extension and he has like so many players on the team that are looking up to him that kind of put him in a perfect position to bring more of that consistency to the table. Um, I think he's, he's having a good season. Um, but I don't think it's anything like crazily different from what he's been doing. Um, disappointments. Um, it would have been nice to really see Georgie kind of like take off this season, like just have like a really stellar season. Um, I still really like him. I think he's going to be like a great backup, but um, I think he was given a lot of opportunities to really show up and maybe he kind of just fell flat for some of those opportunities. Yeah, I totally agree. I was, I was, I was like going through our forward core and defensive core. I can't really think of a lot of guys that have had disappointing seasons, to be honest with you. I think everyone's kind of taken that step forward. Even, even the new guys we acquired, Rooney has been amazing. Blackwell has been amazing. Um, all these guys that kind of came in at the deadline, Kincaid has played amazing. Like all these, these new signings. When we talked about in the beginning of the season, we're like, Oh, AHL depth guys. Right. <laughs> and um but to be honest with you, I don't think it's really a disappointment, but I think that we've had such high hopes for Igor coming into the season, um, especially after his, his play last season, that I think we have more reasonable expectations for him and that he's going to take some time. Obviously, he's had a stellar season. I think um, he's definitely like one of the top like 10 rookies this year. Um, he's definitely should be in that Calder talk a little bit, maybe. Um but I think we definitely had maybe a little too high hopes for him um, and Georgie, to be honest with you. So um, they definitely do have an inexperienced blue line, which does also account for that. But I think that um, that was a little bit of a surprise to me. I'd say I'd say the start to Georgiev and Chesterkin seasons were definitely suspect. Um, they were not the greatest starts by <laughs> Uh, any means whatsoever. I mean, obviously, Georgiev's first game was a was a shutout against the Islanders, but then like after that, it was kind of iffy. It, you know, the Quinn. You had the thing where Quinn said, "All right, I'm gonna go back and forth until uh, you know one goalie proves proves that he's the starter." And we really didn't think that was gonna happen. We thought for sure Shesterkin was gonna you know take the crown, take the throne from uh, Lundqvist, and just uh, go off, but the start didn't happen at the start of the season. It didn't happen. And now more so at the end of the season, it is happening, which is, you know, nice to see, but I wouldn't say there's many disappointments per se. It is, it is a tough division that they're playing in. They'd be in the playoffs if they were in any other division. So that's no fault of their own. Um, there's just some games, some games, a lot of one goal games, a lot of one goal losses. And that's right. what really stung. 
I just saw a tweet today. In one goal games, the Rangers are four and fifteen. <laughs> that's crazy. That's yeah. That's that's how you, how you you know shoot yourself in the foot when you know when you need the points to get into the playoffs. It's you know if you don't win those if you don't win enough of those games or force them to go to overtime enough, you're not gonna you know push yourself to get into the playoffs. The one player for me that has you know just been outstanding and. A lot of people can't seem to praise the guy enough and thinks he's the best defenseman in the league. Definitely this season, Adam Fox, who I think should be the Norris Trophy winner. What do you think, Rachel? So I think um, Fox is still underappreciated, if you can even really say that, which is crazy because obviously Ranger fans know how well he is um, doing this season, especially in a shortened season. Um, But the, the, the cool thing about Fox is that he kind of represents the new era of defenseman where he's a smaller defender, yet he's beating out these bigger, tougher guys that are, you know, seasoned veterans sometimes. But, you know, he's a smart player, too, and he's quick. And it's only his sophomore year, too. And the fact that he's in contention for the trophy should speak volumes about how well he's going to do in this league. But then you have him up against Hedman, who's obviously, you know, more of a household defender name. He's more established. Um, so it's like, do you give the award to the guy who's more of an established player who's, you know, on a contending team year in and year out? Or do you give it to the guy who's, you know, standing out against this other really young defense? And it's just, it's kind of like which way that the voters want to go with it. Um, but it's kind of like a really interesting two candidates that are up for the the Norris this year so I would love to see him win it I think he's really made such a strong case I mean he has 42 points in 51 games whereas Hedman has you know um, 44 so it's such a tight race Um, but obviously the numbers don't give the whole picture of everything but like I said he's he's a different type of defenseman from Hedman and I think that needs to be brought into the conversation as well yeah Hedman's a bit like a like a larger defenseman I'd say in size like you know Kyriakos you could probably you could probably analyze him because you're a defenseman yourself uh, Hedman you're talking about yeah Hedman Hedman I mean yeah Hedman's obviously extremely talented would you rather have Hedman or Dowdy uh um honestly I'd probably rather Hedman I think Dowdy has not been as good as he has shown to been um in the past but, I mean, Hedman is kind of just like a staple on the blue line. I mean, you can't go wrong with him. He, he doesn't make mistakes in his defensive end. Um, he's always on the right side of the puck. Um, his reach is insane. You, you can't get around him. Um, and especially with his long stick like that, he, he definitely has the hands to get around guys too. So, um, I think Hedman is kind of that, that picture-perfect defenseman that you want to see. But, like uh, Rachel said, I think uh, Foxy has definitely shown that the smaller guy and the smarter guy sometimes can edge out the big brute, to be honest. Um, and I think Fox is is definitely a much different player than Hedman is, but I think he's just as sound in his defensive zone. Um, he uses the skills that he does have, and he uses his smarts to kind of um, take advantage of uh, the – the height difference that he has or the um, ability in the defensive zone. So 
I think that they're both different players. Foxy definitely, I think, is um, much kind of smarter player than he is a physical player. But um, yeah, it, it all depends, like she said, on, on where they want to go with the direction of the votes. But just him being in contention, I think any player that's kind of nominated for an award is deserving of an award. So um, it's definitely good to see. I just hope it doesn't go, it doesn't come down to like, okay, like let's say two, like the voters are just like, all right, yeah, these guys are just the same. So I'm just going to give it to Hedman just because he's got the name. Like, I, I don't want it to be like that. You know what I mean? Even though it, it may be like that. And that's how, I mean, they, how these voters think. I, I have no idea. I, I just, think it also should be pointed out that like Foxy's on a much like <laughs> younger and inexperienced team. And he's putting up these points against some of the best teams in the league. Right. Whereas Hedman has probably one of the most stacked teams in the NHL, you know? And you think about it too. He just um, came in with Lindgren, just worked as a top pair, just like came in and clicked immediately. Like that's right. crazy to think about. Yep. Yeah, the, the fact that, again, the, the, it's only Fox's second year and to see all the things he's been doing, it's, uh, it's amazing. Like he's almost, he's almost a 50 point defenseman uh, if you take D'Angelo out of it, we haven't had one since Brian Leach, right? So in to, for him to do that in his second year, that's a pretty good comparison. I'm not going to lie. But, you know, like Leach was doing pretty amazing things, I'm pretty sure, when he first came up. And, it's you know, it's crazy to think, like, how similar those two players are. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully Fox can continue what he's been doing throughout his from uh for his young career like for let's say another 15 years after this maybe please hopefully <laughs> maybe a couple cups and uh like five norris trophies awesome. all right hold your horses um <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right so with that out of the way the last thing i wanted to talk about is uh do the rangers have what it takes to make the playoffs next season uh i think when you look at how the seasons have started the past couple seasons, they've obviously obviously been really tough starts, but they do get better and they make a push right at the end, which is frustrating. I don't think that it's um, it's a little worry worrisome that this is like the trend the past couple of seasons, but um, hopefully they can kind of change that around. And obviously you want them to end well, keep that, but you don't really want to see these tough starts to the season and see them struggling. Obviously every team's going to struggle at some point, especially when we're such a young team, but hopefully they could just work through really their weak areas. And I mean, you think about how well this team has come together. They're unfamiliar. Think about how many players made the jump from the college level um, to the NHL. You have Miller and Jones and that's your, that's your defense. Like that's, that's such a, that's like a quarter of your defense that just came from the college level. And it's, it's just crazy to think about that. So I think that they've been really lucky with how fast everyone's clicking as a team. And then to have that interesting dynamic where you have like the veteran core and then you have all these young guys, it's, it's so interesting to see them work together. So I think next season they have a pretty decent shot. Again, it's the hardest division and when you have teams like the Flyers who are underperforming well under what was expected of them, who knows what's going to go with the Caps next season, who knows what's going to go with the Pens. It's just, it's so interesting, but I do think that they have a pretty good shot. We'll see what happens in net, but 
um, I think they could make a pretty strong case for it. I think so too. I think they might have a similar type of point situation as they do this year, maybe a little bit better, but honestly, I think that a lot of things need to go right for the Rangers to be in that conversation, right? Like, like uh, last season, you were looking at that one stretch where Zibanejad and Panarin kind of just like, like blew us away. Like, um, if it was a normal season, would have had uh, Zibanejad would have had fifty goals, Panarin would have had a hundred points. Like, th- like those guys were taken off, and kind of everyone was following their lead, really. And then when you don't see the production from them, um, it's a little bit harder for those young guys to kind of uh, get under their wings and, and start putting up their points. But I think a lot of moving parts in that situation. And I think a lot of things need to go right. But I think with that being said, I think a lot of the other teams in the division kind of have transitional phases they're going through. Like you said, like the Penguins, I don't know if they're going to be the same team next year. Um, and we keep saying that, but they somehow keep <laughs> being that same team. So I don't know. But um, and the Caps too. They're, I think they'll, they'll still be up there. But um I don't know. We'll see. I think if it goes back to like the normal um, NHL where we're playing uh, all 32 teams, um, I think it'll be a much, much better shot for us, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm interested to see how the divisions are going to be formatted next year. Hopefully it's not the same. Uh, Like, you know, this this kind of this division is gives me nightmares. There's only one. There's like two. There's two teams you could beat up on, and it's the Devils and the, the Sabers. And you know, what are the other teams? What like the other te- The other divisions have like like three or four teams that are like definitely not good teams. These have like like five or six. Good, this one has five or six good teams, and it's just so frustrating to to play against them. You know, night in, night out, every other night or whatever. Um, Especially when you look at like how many points we have compared to the other divisions, we would right. be so close within the playoff spot. We're in a playoff spot. Yeah, by like miles. I think I forget which division it was. We talked about it last week. We were like ten points ahead of the the fourth place team. It's like like, <laughs> like yeah, that, that's that's nuts. Uh, I think I think the Rangers do have what it takes to you know take the next step next season. The only thing I would really take a look at is uh the offense and really analyze that see if that's the system they have in place right now is the right one if uh you get what i'm saying like because if when they go up against a, a good defensively sound team it's like they really can't do anything and it's 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 hard for any team to to do anything against a, a trapping team that's why the trap is such bs uh and i'm not a fan of it and, uh, you know, the Devils winning their cups in the early two, that late 90s, early 2000s was uh, really sucked because they were the kings of the trap and uh, really popularized it. And I have nightmares going back to 2015 in the, in the conference finals against the Lightning in game seven, just going up against that trap. I just hate it so much. Um, so I think maybe taking a look at that, um, how their their offense is structured, like the system, the scheme, and how they work around it will have to be analyzed. And definitely I mean, passing up the puck too much. I mean, to be honest with you, the way you beat you beat the trap is you dump the puck in, you you go after it, and you try and wear down their defensemen. But um, not a dump and chase style. That's the thing that I think. Lockyer is not a dump and chase player, though. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like I think 
this is one thing we've talked about a lot is where Quinn is kind of taking these these rookies and kind of um, like like Kako especially. He's made him he made him stay after practice one uh, last year to to dump the puck in to practice dumping the puck in the zone. And Kako's not used to that. Kako's been a top six player his whole life. He's been a goal scorer his whole life. Comes to the NHL, he's got to reevaluate his game and he's got to learn that you can't only play one way in the NHL. You can't be a unidimensional player. And I think him teaching that to the young guys definitely helps against systems like that. But right now we're a very like top heavy team. I think we're an extremely talented team and a talented offense that kind of wants to dangle you and pass around you. Isn't really going to work against one of those like brute defensive teams like the Islanders. So I think that in the coming years, definitely they'll develop um, physically. And I think they're learning how to play a more sound game now as younger kids and I think it's only going to get better as they get older so I think that our our system's definitely going to be changing as they get older and as they develop um so I think right now we're going in the right direction but as of now obviously it's just impossible for us to play against a team like that yeah great I think that's a that's a good point uh and you know we'll probably touch more on it next week uh as we get into to newer topics and you know the whole fire Quinn situation uh <laughs> we'll have to see how people feel about that after the season uh rachel how do you feel about that the fire quinn people on uh, twitter are you on board with that or are you against that so i think you could really go either way with it i think you can't be mad at the guy for not developing players because there's evidence that players have been developing under him whether you can say he's the reason or even the main reason or has any part that's kind of hard to say, but I, it's not like you look, I can't help but compare it to like AV, whereas yes, AV should have been out there a hundred percent and he did get fired, mm-hmm. but it's a different situation with Quinn. I don't think you can definitely say like he needs to be out. So I think a lot of people are just, I mean, people have been like anti-Quinn for a while now. So I don't know if it was definitely premature and it might still be, but I don't really think he's the problem, the main problem. But it's a, it's a weird situation with that. <laughs> I think we, we could say we feel the same way, right, Kiriakos? Yeah, we agree. And I, we talked about this with uh, Stat Boy Steve, and we had him on a couple of weeks ago. And we were talking about, like, the fact of, like, I think it's, like, the New York mentality. If something's not working, just get rid of it. But like, why don't you just work with that that guy, see see how it goes and kind of develop the coach and the players at the same time and kind of tweak your weak points as they go and instead of just like, oh shoot, this guy's not working, let's get rid of him. Um, I think that's a much better approach and I think working together and working on your mistakes together um, helps a lot more in the long run. And I think too, when they made the move this season to hire Morten, that kind of helps because look how much better the PK is doing. So you can't you can't like blame it on Quinn if you have additions to the to the coaching staff and it's actually making an improvement that shows it's not just the one guy that you need to be putting the blame on. So I think that needs to be looked at too. But you have to look to like who are the alternatives for hiring as a coach? Would you have Gallant? Like is he going to really develop these guys? It's you need to see like what's out there too. Like you said, like and can we tweak it or do we just need to like throw it out and just start all over again it's there's a lot that goes into it yeah well in our discussion with, with stat boy steven he said go on was pretty much the same coach as what quinn is so 
we're not really ready for that yet. I, I, don't, I don't think I, – I, we have, like, post-game reactions after every game, and I always tell everyone that watches, like, you know, we're not at the point where, you know, where we were with Tortorella, where we couldn't take the next step forward, so we hired a new coach. We're not there yet. We have to we're – st- we're still trying to get our, our roster players, our core players, to get to where we want them to be first before we could – start thinking about second round of the playoffs. We have to get to the playoffs first. And I think for now, Quinn's the guy. Uh, I, I'll, I'll just say, like, he has a lot of the potential. Uh, I won't agree. I don't agree with every decision that he makes, but I have to give him credit where it's due. I think Buchnevich has done really well under him. Paco has played a lot better this year. Even Heedle, too. If Heedle didn't get hurt, imagine what he would have done, you know, this season uh, if he didn't have such a large break in action he was playing really well at the start of the season awesome actually um but that's that's all for me uh do you guys have anything else to add before we wrap it up make sure you follow rachel on twitter (laughs) 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 well thanks for joining us rachel it was a pleasure to have you on we had a great discussion today uh let's go rangers i guess (laughs) thank you for having me we'll see what happens tonight it should be a good game Yeah, of course. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Stay tuned for more New York Rangers info by visiting boysandblue94.com and our Instagram at theboysandblue94. See you all next time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I know.